So today we're going to jump right in here in the message series. We're talking about the ecosystem of the kingdom of God. What a wonderful thing uh, we've, over the past couple of weeks, if you've not been here the first week, we talked about the priorities of the kingdom, that we are to be kingdom-minded in all that we do. We ought to have kingdom lenses on. We ought to see things the way that God sees them. And so in doing that, we bring the kingdom here to this earth. You understand that God moves through the human agency of you and me. That's how God moves among the earth. Now, there are other ways he moves as well, but his primary resource is us. His children. And so he's looking for us. He's, he's speaking to us. He's encouraging us. He's leading us to spread his kingdom throughout the earth. As a matter of fact, he teaches his disciples to pray. And we're going to look at this more deeply this morning. But he teaches his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. So he's looking for us as his human agents to, to really spread and be a part of his kingdom, the most major part of his kingdom. Last week we talked about how to practice the kingdom. Practicing does not make perfect, it simply makes progress. Takes us to a place of sanctification where he weeds and roots out the sin in our life so there's more room for him. I gave you several illustrations. I don't have time to go back and repeat those, but go and listen to that message. Some of you are fighting and battling besetting sins, sins that you seem like you just can't get defeated in your life. Listen to that message. It's not the only message out there, but it's a message that will help you combat sin and see it for what it is. And then this week, I'm going to talk about the prayer in the kingdom. What does the prayer look like? Because God is looking to move through the power of our prayers so let's look at matthew chapter 6 sermon on the mount verse 9 here now you understand that the disciples came to jesus and they said teach us how to pray and this is what he said and he said and if you pray pray this way that's not what he said come on church wake up this morning i'm the one that's supposed to be sleepy here right he didn't say and if you pray he said and when you pray all right, so he's given specific instruction here. When you pray, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's just be honest here. If we thought that the kingdom would come when we prayed, we would pray a lot more. We just got to be honest, right? If I knew that mountains were going to move the very moment that I knelt down and prayed, that I was going to see the kingdom of God explore the earth exploit the earth move forward over the earth that i would see kingdoms fall and kingdoms be renewed and restored when i prayed i would pray a lot more and so would you so what's the problem you are i am it's a belief system you remember when the disciples came to Jesus and said, what are the works of God? And he said, here's the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. See, our belief system affects and impacts every area of our life. And part of the reason we don't see mountains move, part of the reasons we don't see kingdoms fall and kingdoms be restored is simply through a belief system that we don't believe heaven actually invades the earth through our prayers. Oh, man, this is bringing some tension. Holy cow, I didn't even know I had this. 
I didn't, but I got it now. It's interesting. We look at all the dynamics of our culture today, and as we look at our culture, we see uh, a culture, for whatever reason, you know, when, when I grew up, we didn't have the racial tension that we have in the United States today. We didn't have it. I don't remember seeing it. I, I, one of my best friends from first to third grade is Roy Caldwell. He's black. Uh, when I got older, I played on the football team where in the backfield I was the only white one back there. But it didn't cause a problem in the locker room. Didn't didn't cause a problem on the football field. It's amazing to me that that even in the army barracks, we had Hispanics, we had um, blacks, we had whites, we had Asian, we had all these. But let a bullet fly by your head. You learn to love whoever's next to you in the same uniform. Not that bullets flew by my head, but there are no atheists in the foxhole. You understand that. You will find religion real quick. But, but here's the deal. <clears throat> when we really look at the racial tension that's in America today, it's not the first time. It's the first time for me to see it in my lifetime at this point. How do we break that type of racial tension? Well, we as the church have a responsibility. A responsibility to believe that when we pray, we pray for His kingdom. And in His his kingdom, every tongue, tribe, and nation is welcome. 1861. I don't know if you know your history. There was a major civil war in this country. And it was racially intensified. And, And... and it's, it's the worst this country has ever seen. 620,000 Americans would lay dead at the end of this war. One out of every 50 of the 3 million people would be counted in the 1860 census, meaning that one out of 50 was directly impacted by this war with death. There's a revival that you don't hear much spoken about. As a matter of fact, your historical books in, in your schools, in your public schools, they don't recount this particular revival that happened, but there was a revival known as the Civil War Revival in 1862. And it was the only way that our country could really come back together. And it happened through prayer. Some soldiers on both sides began to pray one with another. From the northern and the southern armies, it was evenly divided between them. And it's amazing to me because over a period of just a couple of years, over 300,000 soldiers would be converted. And they would begin to pray for one nation to fall under one God. Unity. See, it's amazing to me that the very answer of moving the kingdom comes through the faith. You understand faith is the currency that moves the kingdom of God. How do we express our faith? We express our faith through prayers. And when you pray, pray in this way, that my kingdom would come and invade this earth. That's what he's looking for. See, 
It's amazing to me because I really began to understand the power of prayer when I saw God's kingdom move forward in my life. Throughout my life, I started hearing testimonies. This is why in Revelation we see that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of their testimony. Get around someone who has a testimony of success, a testimony of seeing mountains moved from their path, seeing healings, people who, who have walked in that and that out in their life get around them listen to their testimony listen to how the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world has given us a way to access the very power of god and move mountains see i had to first hear their testimonies i remember one of the first testimonies as a mature man as a grown man that i heard years ago and it was a testimony of of a young man who grew up in a Christian home but later would fall away, but knew that there was a call on his life, knew that God was moving in his life to see that that would become, but he had a belief that a seed had been sown and he hadn't thrown it all away, that God would do something miraculous in his life. Later on, he would be diagnosed with a terrible disease. And I would see that disease move out of his body where he could go on and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What did that do to my faith? It encouraged me. We started having these prayer meetings. I remember in, in my little apartment when I was in college, and one time a, a, a man who is now a professor at Asbury Seminary, who, by the way, was going to quit school at WT, and we prayed for him. Dude, you're just crazy. What's wrong with you? But this is what Brian told me. He, he, he kept telling us time and time again. He was leading a worship service on campus. He kept saying, hey, guys, one day, I know there's just 12 of us. One day, there's going to be 500. <laughs> okay, Brian, whatever. Pat him on the back. You know, encourage him a little bit. That sounds good, brother. I hope it happens. Right? And he would come over, and, and there were a handful of them that were meeting in my apartment for a short time there, and they would sing worship songs. Now, here's the deal. I was just getting involved. I was just getting my feet wet. And here are these deep Christians who are believing for God's kingdom to invade the earth. I would listen to them worship and I would watch and eventually I would begin to engage with them and not only just engage but, but uh, pay attention to how they prayed and how they prayed with authority, how they prayed in belief, how they prayed in faith. It encouraged me. It encouraged my walk. I remember one night I was bowed down in prayer and I heard a bunch of rattling in my kitchen. And I was like, what in the world? I didn't want to look up though because I didn't know if you could look up while you prayed. I thought I might get struck down. I was still pretty religious in my thoughts and my upbringing, right? So I just bared with it and, and just kept praying. And then I heard water and then I heard sloshing. And next thing I did, I had to open my eyes. And I look over here and there is Mindy washing Brian's feet. Now this is a boyfriend and girlfriend and she's washing his feet in my apartment. And I had never seen that. Not to that degree. I was like, my gosh, what is she doing? So she washed him up there good and clean and went back to my bathroom, got my towel, and just dried his feet. And I was like, my gosh. And afterwards, afterwards, I can remember, you know, after we said amen and everything, I said, hey, y'all explain that. And they could see I was concerned. Curtis, you're not 
understand what's going on, da-da-da-da-da. And I said, no. And like, well, I'm washing feet like Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And, and how we serve one another and how we embrace one another, how, we, how this is supposed to look, the kingdom come here on this earth. And I, I remember just going, well, why did you have to use my popcorn bowl? A couple of years later, one of the greatest honors in ministry that I had happened to me, I was asked to fill in on the praise team at a worship service that had over 500 college students. You see, prayer is the part of the kingdom that God really has allowed us to participate in in an almighty way. Thy kingdom come. See, most of the church today is, is prayerless. Some view prayer as a mechanism to get God to meet their deeds. Prayer is more of a last resort when all of the other efforts fail. Well, I guess we should pray. If nothing else, we can possibly pray about it. As a last resort, I don't know how God's going to get us out of this one. Now listen, maybe we should just get together... And Pray. Well, maybe you should have been praying beforehand. God is so aware of our needs. He knows what we really need better than us. Do we always need to pray for the need to be met? How about this? We begin to pray with power and begin to pray for things we want and expect God to move through His kingdom authority because we see things now from a different place, from a place of the heavenlies where his kingdom will come. Ephesians makes it clear we are seated with him in heavenly places. Have a different view when you pray. Pray that his kingdom truly would come in every circumstance. See, the domain of darkness, the church looks like a bunch of confused, defeated beggars possibly to the domain of darkness. We forget who we are. We run around and say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Really, that's all you are? That doesn't sound very redeemed to me. You're just a sinner? No, Scripture tells me that I'm a son, I'm a child. I'm the most beloved. What do you mean I'm just a sinner? That's not true. Saved by grace, yes. We so oftentimes listen to the wrong voices in life. You understand Satan's been reduced really to just accuser. Now he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he has his ways of doing that. I mean, First Peter makes it clear that he goes around like a roaring lion whom he can devour. One of the things that prayer does for us is it protects us from that one who is seeking whom he can devour. I've heard many times, well, that pastor fell because he was such a strong man of God, and Satan was attacking him more and more and more. I don't believe that. Satan attacks everybody in some form or fashion. But the one that is girded up, but the one who has placed the shoes of the gospel, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation, the strong one, you don't mess with. Give me the weak one. Show me that one. There's a line going through right, right now through this place. He doesn't want to fool with the strong one. Strong one might just cast him out. Strong one might just pierce his heart. But the weak one, 
You know, lines, if you watch any kind of docudrama on lines, what you'll find is they, they pinch a herd between them. And they're not looking at the big ones coming through. They're waiting on that weakest one, on that last one. On that one that's possibly crippled. Let me take that one out. See, when we pray, we protect ourselves. The kingdom truly can come. We protect ourselves. We protect our beings. We protect our households. We protect our faith, our very faith. See, we are the sons and daughters of God. We have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have been called to execute the will of the kingdom and to put it on display for all to see. Stop looking to Washington to get us out of this mess. Psalm 121, our help comes from the Lord. Heaven won't invade because of Donald Trump. Washington won't save you. But God has given us a way. He's given us direction. I said on the walk to Emmaus yesterday as I was preaching, I said, you know, men, here's the problem. The problem is simply this, that, that we look for all these other outlets and we, we look for a government to save us. But here's the truth. You mean to tell me if the church were doing what the church was supposed to do in America and across the world, that these two would be the two that we would push forward? Chris Vallotton, he said this. He said, prayer is the catalyst for worldwide transformation. It incites the angels. It restrains the darkness. It releases nations into their destiny. Whew. Releases nations. <laughs> I hear this all the time. God's not concerned about America. You can't find America in the Scripture. I'm about to correct your theology. He is concerned about America. You know why? Because America is more than three generations old. You understand when a nation becomes a nation, it takes three generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and boom, a nation was born. The 12 tribes of Israel. Where do you think most of the food for the world comes from, folks? Where do you think the missionaries can leave and come home and have a refuge to, to equip, to be inspired, to rest, and be sent back out? You don't think God cares? Because I can't find the United States of America in Scripture. He cares. Prayer. Prayer of His people. Prayer from His people. Burrs things of the kingdom of God. In our lives and for the lives that come after us. See, God's ultimate will for us on this planet is that His kingdom would invade the earth. So Jesus makes it clear, pray this way, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer is not to just manipulate God. I tried that when I was the team football captain. They would say, Curtis, pray for us. Lord, help us to win. Hallelujah, glory to God, amen. I don't think he was real impressed with that prayer. And I think they just asked me because they knew I would. I don't know how serious I was about the prayer either. Right? It's not to incite the favor of God on your behalf. It's to incite the kingdom of God through your behalf. The prayer is so powerful. 
See, Jesus was saying something so powerful and provocative. It's been misrepresented through the ages. And to understand the magnitude of Jesus' statement, think of it this way. You remember the Cold War? Some of you don't. Okay, honestly, I really don't either. But still, the Cold War and President Reagan. What would it have looked like if President Reagan would have just taken a flag, an American flag, flown over to Moscow, off the plane with his big American flag, walked over to the Kremlin, poof, stuck it in the ground. Said, I'll take it. That's what it looks like. That's what Jesus means. That we pray for God's will, for his kingdom to come. We stake a claim. This belongs to the Lord. But there are those in Scripture that understood that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus was just doing something just so powerful, so incredible when he taught this. Because he even said, oh, my will be done, but yours. His heavenly Father, what does that look like? After the church was born, Peter and John were doing signs and wonders. The kingdom was invading. It turned Jerusalem upside down, and they were thrown in jail and released. And from jail, they came running back. They had a prayer meeting. In Acts chapter 4, you'll see this. This is what they said, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, By the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed verse 27 they're quoted quoting david here declaring that jesus is king for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant jesus whom you anointed both herod and pontius pilate along with the gentiles and the peoples of israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place and now lord look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and the signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed. So he's saying, look, all these things, the kingdom's coming in this way. This is how we're seeing the kingdom exposed to the earth. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak with the word of God with boldness. Speak the word of God with boldness. You understand the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. To speak his word with boldness. That doesn't mean that we come before the throne of grace shy and timid. It's why the author of Hebrews said, approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. Confidence. With declaration. With expectation. Man, that was an earthquake prayer meeting that they had the whole earth shook they just got out of jail they prayed for more boldness more signs and wonders when god's kingdom comes comes it shakes things up the power of darkness trembles it cannot stand against it in prayer we can partner with jesus to shake things up to see his kingdom invade the earth too on earth as it is in heaven, the prayer of your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is the perfect prayer. It's his will. It's his. 
And his will is not mysterious. When we pray his will, look, it begins to invade every area of our lives. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. It's the perfect prayer of his will. Let your kingdom come. You see, you are releasing the peace and the order of the kingdom of God. You ever thought of that? That's powerful. Jeez, releasing that power. Look, it's similar to loading that 308. Well, maybe. And finding that target in your scope. And now you're going to release it. Yeah. You release that. He's given you that. This is what, as we seek His will, He puts something in our scope. And He says, pull the trigger. You know, I've even had prayers that I couldn't pull the trigger. Somebody asked me last night at the walk to Emmaus, said, Curtis, well, uh, how, do, how do we have faith? How do we get faith? <laughs> I love this because scripturally there's... <laughs> There's, there's some great answers there. But I, I, I said, well, tell me why you don't feel like I ha- that you have faith. And he said, well, I know. I do this, and I do this, and I do this. And I said, well, have you ever jumped in the water where you can't swim? You'll get faith. Or you'll drown. I had a pastor tell me one time, he said, Curtis, the minute you think you can do this on your own, the minute you think you're walking on dry land, you need to jump back in deep water. And you'll gain faith. Do some things you haven't done before. Maybe make a declaration that you've never declared before. Maybe pray and get something in your pericope. Pericope is another word for scope. Get something in your scope and say, i got that target. I'm ready to release. I've had prayers. I had a prayer not too long ago that I told the other pastors, I cannot release this prayer right now. So when it shakes out, it's going to shake out hard. I believe that. And one morning, God said, release. Pull the trigger. Open the gate. Hang on. I'm going to take you for a ride. So look, here's how it works. When your marriage is struggling, God, let your kingdom come. When your finances are taking, Lord, let your kingdom come. When disease attacks, Lord, let your kingdom come come that the power and reality of heaven may invade see get on mission with jesus go to the prayer closet when we pray that way whatever can be shaken will be shaken and darkness flees and order comes to that place because god is not a god of disorder he is a god of order it's according to his word you have disorder you have disarray in places of your life get in the midst of that and stake a claim Put it in your target and pull the trigger and watch God invade in your situation, in your circumstance. See, when we pray that way, we shake things up. We see things as God sees them. Heaven invades the earth. Pray then like this, our Father who is in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is 
in heaven. One of the things that I think we need to be aware of as, as Christians and as people of God is to know that, that God is looking to move through the power of our prayers. Watch this, one for another. Jesus said it this way. He said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. But it's interesting to me how the book of Genesis puts it. It is not good for man to be alone. Sometimes mountains are so big that we need two or three to get that mountain in their scope as well and shoot with us. Make it happen. Line it up. That's why we're up here today. If you need prayer, if you need someone to jump in your situation, help me put this in your scope as well. Help me pray this mountain away. Then make, your, make it your ambition to come forward. Come forward and have someone stand in the gap with you. And watch what God does. Pray. Pray. His kingdom come. And His will be done. Father God, I thank you, Lord. For your people I thank you Lord for what you do how your kingdom works how it's expressed and father your intention is that it would be expressed through us that we would be carriers of your kingdom to a world that needs your kingdom and so father I pray this morning for each and every one because there's not a person here this morning everyone may run out that door but there's not a person here this morning that doesn't need someone to slide in next to them and help them take their mountain down. Help them put their problems under your authority so that your kingdom can invade and clear the path and stake a claim for your victory. Lord, move. In Jesus' name, amen.